That is what we're talking about. Nevada looked incredibly sharp against Colorado State, has Saturday off, and then we got a big, big game. Nevada coming down to Vegas to play the Rebs. Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award-winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and, well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schaub. It felt like that one was needed. Rich Waltz thinks Nevada opened a can of Wolfpack tonight. <laughs> opened a can of Wolfpack on Colorado State. 100-61 to beat down an even 100 for Muss's 100th career win at Nevada in just really three and a half years. An amazing, amazing accomplishment. What he's been able to do here, there are not enough superlatives. He took over a team that had won seven games against Division One opponents the year before. And look what he's done in Reno. Absolutely incredible. Um, so tonight, a fun, fun night for Muss and the entire program, certainly. So Adam and I will share our thoughts as Nevada improves to 19-1. and one. And then we got a big, big guest this week. For those of you who follow us on social, you know that we got Ryan Radke on the show. Rads was the play-by-play voice of Nevada football and Nevada basketball for nine years. He's still the voice of the Reno Aces. And it'll be two years ago in May now. He uh, went up to the show with Westwood One. So he's now calling NFL games, college basketball, college football. He was in South Korea for the Olympics. Just an incredible, incredible conversation with Rads. He shared some really fun stories. The interview was a little bit longer than normal, but it, it, it was too good. So we kept that thing going. Um, some, as I mentioned, some fun stories, a hilarious story about how he got the job at Nevada. So you, you guys are for sure going to want to listen to that. Uh, pumped to share that with you guys. Nevada is off on Saturday, has a bye on Saturday, so just one game to preview this week. Nevada's at UNLV on Tuesday, down here in Vegas. And don't look now, but the Rebels are starting to play pretty good. They're 5-1 and one in Mountain West play, handled New Mexico at home on Tuesday night. What do we need to know about the Rebels? Who's our favorite player on the other roster? Keys to victory and predictions, of course. For slants this week, we got games of the weekend. No NFL, so we're talking Mountain West hoops and college basketball in general. What are some games we can watch because there's no football and no Nevada hoops this weekend? We're going to go road tripping with Chad Hartley down here to Vegas, my neck of the woods. Chad gives some awesome recommendations for those of you who are maybe making the drive down here or for those of you who are jumping on a plane to catch the pack down in Vegas on Tuesday. For Twitter questions, we got a ton this week, including potentially maybe needing to rename that slant. Some of the things we're going to cover, predicting Nevada seed. What seed is Wolfpack going to be in March? How many total losses is Nevada going to head to the Mountain West Tournament with? And for the first time, we talk a little Nevada baseball. A lot of stuff to cover in Twitter questions, and then you know we're going to go over random Reno. But first, we got our iTunes five-star review of the week. It comes from Carlos. So, Carlos, shoot us your Venmo username. We'll make sure to shoot you a dollar. Carlos said, you only live once, and life is too short for bad podcasts. The brothers know what they are talking about, asterisk, usually. So do yourself a favor, all caps, subscribe and listen. And he adds, retract my first statement, you only live once. That's false. You live every day. You only die once. So Carlos, thanks for the love on iTunes, my man. For those of you who have not left an iTunes review, I know it's tough with an Android, so 
my recommendation would be those of you who aren't able to steal your friend's iPhone, leave us a little iTunes review on there. <laughs> and then, uh, put your name on there for your username. We'll reach out to you and we'll get you a dollar next week. Before we break down the game tonight, we got some fun news to, to start the podcast about the podcast. Those of you who follow us on Twitter, you know that we launched our Instagram this week. We're super excited about it. Uh, time, timing is right to get that thing up and going. We know there are some of you who are on Instagram and you're not on Twitter. So it's a way to reach some of you guys, to provide you guys some content exclusive to that platform and just kind of create some more fun stuff, right? You know, other ways to reach you guys. We're really excited about the possibilities with Instagram, especially the stories, uh, for certain. We have ambitious goals for this podcast. We haven't been shy about that. We talked about that on our very first podcast. And I think to accomplish some of those things we want to accomplish, we need to have an Instagram presence. We're going to have highlights from guests, teasers, videos, poll quotes, just a ton of fun. So if you have your Instagram open or you are going to look at it tonight before you fall asleep, just type in the Reno Slant, same username as Twitter. Please, please, please throw us a follow. Our goal was to reach 100 follows by next week. We eclipsed that already. You guys are the best. So our goal is 150 by next week. We think we can get there. We need you guys' help. Please consider throwing us a follow on Instagram. So, bro, we'll break down Colorado State here. I gave you a hard time last week, though, about how bad your betting picks were. According to Twitter, you caught fire last week. Yeah, I had a great week. I uh, hit three in a row, you know, a couple two-billy two billy bets. So it ended up turning an average weekend into a real nice one. The best part was when I placed my first one, I actually was on a pontoon boat in the middle of Lake Pleasant, Arizona, and I just texted my buddy and was talking about the Rams, asking if he was going or whatnot. And as crazy as that blown PI call was, I felt like for the first time in the sports betting world, I actually had something like that go in my favor. So I wasn't too angry. That was so egregious. Oh my God. I, I couldn't, I fell to the ground cause I was just, I knew the game was over and I was just waiting for the flag to come out and I could not believe that a flag did not get thrown. Well, did you, you had the Rams plus three? I had the Rams plus three. Well, they so, would have kicked the field goal, so it would have well, been a push. It, was. it would have been a push. Yeah, so, so I was sitting there, and I was fine. I was like, you know what? I'll take a push. I'll get my money back. You know, it was a decent-sized bet, so I was like, okay, I'm not too mad. Goes to OT, and I'm like, that is not what I wanted, and it ultimately, in the end, be, ended up being what I wanted. Then yeah, Breezy throws a pick at home in overtime. Loved it. Wow. Tip pat. Yeah, he was getting – he got hit. Was he, or he was getting hit right as he was getting rid of that. So we'll, we'll recap tonight's – Unholy beatdown. I mean, the second half was just comedic. I mean, Nevada's now 19 and 1. Looked awesome. 100 to 61. The final score. Must picks up win number 100. Hard to fathom when he's accomplished in such a short amount of time in Reno. So what is your first takeaway from the win? Holy buckets. Yeah. I mean, the way they shot in this game, it almost, I mean, you know, they still had 56% from the field and 48% from three. So it's definitely an exaggeration what I'm about to say, but it honestly felt like they couldn't miss. Mm-hmm. Like they were making it at such a higher percentage and a more efficient rate that it was just that part of the game was entertaining because that's, I mean, you see Nevada, I think the only other time they put up a hundred plus was against UMass, UMass this year. Yeah. So when you see them score that many points, the the scary thing is that that's there. 
that's there the whole time. We're just mm-hmm. waiting for these games to emerge. And now, you know, it's a bad Colorado State team, but it's nice to see that that's still in the, they still got it inside them. It's hard to believe that just the team's last game out, they they scored 20 points in 20 minutes against Air Force. And then you mm-hmm. see that tonight, and you kind of scratch your head and say, what? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, that, exactly. That, that was, especially in the second half, how we would like the seven, number seven team in the country to look, right? Especially when they're playing a team like Colorado State that has a 7-11 and overall record. It's not a good Colorado State team. But it was just a beat down uh, from the last basically 3.30 of the first half on. It was just a boat race. Threes, dunks, turnovers. Absolutely crushed their will. At one point, I find myself almost feeling bad for Colorado State. There was like eight minutes left, and they were down 40 it's like, man, it's a long eight minutes for those guys. <laughs> so it, it was just a ton of fun to watch. Apparently, Nevada heard Mike Randall and screen the screener podcast. He, he went on and ripped Nevada pretty good, and Nevada responded with a beatdown, which is what he asked for in, in the podcast this week. That was one of Nevada's better performances of the year, certainly. And I already mentioned it once. Con- congrats to Coach Musk getting win number 100 in his fourth year. It's incredibly impressive. When the team plays like that, when Nevada plays that well, plays with that much pace, that much intensity, everything is on the table. Everything. Th- that's how a legit national cont- contender is supposed to look versus a bad team. And there were points even to me in, in the second half when it, it was the thing had been blown open and there were still some ridiculous dunks. Caroline, Jordan had an oop. The Martins had a couple. It felt like to me they were taking some anger out. Like some frustration with how some things have gone offensively for this team. And to me, it felt like they were kind of, that's how they were coping with that, I think, because they, they weren't slowing down a little bit. I mean, yeah, they, I mean, they were full it, go. Yeah, as I say, it hasn't been that offense, or hasn't been that often that they've gelled like that. So if they have a, they got a game where it's going. Mm-hmm. Why not do it to full capacity? Do as much as you can. And they, and they did it without Corey Henson. He's been starting the last few games. He was out sick. Uh, wasn't even in the arena and they put up a, a hundred burger. That was awesome. All right. What else you got? It was tasty. Uh, the other part I'm going back to is the senior leadership between the three, Cody, Jordan and Caleb. Um, it's what we asked at the beginning. You know, nothing crazy. Get in, play a clean game. The clean, the clean game, I guess means total beat down, mm-hmm. but you had Cody Martin, who was nine to 10 from the field. Caroline was 11 of 15 from the field and four of five from beyond the arc. And he had Caleb who was shooting 50% from three. So those are the guys. I mean, those are the three guys that we live in and we don't live and die as much, but those are the guys that are the core. And when you have mm-hmm. guys, those leaders, you know, leading by example like that, it, I mean, I'm just going back to kind of the first thing I was talking about. It just makes you realize that can you play like that on a consistent basis? The success in March, it just seems so much more, uh, realistic. realistic. Yeah. Yeah. When those three are going like that, Nevada can beat anyone. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't think anyone will question when those three are, are on, this team's a, a different team. The, the second half I, I mentioned, I mean, the, the numbers are just ridiculous. I mean, Nevada outscored Colorado State 58 to 25 in, in the second half. I think the broadcast said that's the biggest scoring disparity in the second half of a game this year in all of college basketball. <laughs> there was a point. In the first half, so offense looked pretty good most of the night. There was that little nine-minute stretch where Colorado State threw zone at them, and then the Rams got back into it. Got within 
at the 333 mark in the first half. From that point on, Nevada outscored Colorado State 67 to 28. And just you look at the entire picture. Nevada outscored Colorado State on turnovers 35 to 5. That is great. That'll help. That'll help. That's Monstars versus the Toon Squad is what that is. That's not <laughs> even fair. Yeah, literally. That's an NBA team versus JV squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I also was going to talk on that Carvacho, Nico Carvacho. I mean, he's still an animal. He still have 14 boards, five of them on the offensive side, 11 points. So he had a double-double. But he's a big dude. But I was going also that there's just not – a whole lot of pieces around him. I mean, if you got Nevada was obviously playing an excellent game, but you feel for a guy like that who's just an absolute monster and he just fails to get the whole puzzle going or puzzle put together. He still had a pretty nice game. Uh, 14 rebounds. Uh, how many points did he have here? I think he had like 11. He had 11. 11 he had points, 14 rebounds, but it was quiet. I mean, he didn't really have much mm-hmm. of an impact. He came out and scored the first two buckets of the game and you're kind of like, uh-oh. Yeah, <laughs> that's not what we needed. And from from then on, it wasn't much of a of a deal. You you mentioned shooting. Nevada thirteen of twenty seven from deep, twenty seven total three pointers. We can live with that if you're making thirteen. It just felt like tonight the shots were different than they've been a lot of the year. They they were in rhythm, they were in flow. Guys were open. They didn't feel there were a couple that were forced. And the broadcast did a good job of talking about when this is a good three and this is not a good three. And I thought they did a good job of pointing that out. And it just felt like. Okay, like this is the offense that we are familiar with. This offense we saw all of last year. Cody and Jordan combined were ten of seventeen by themselves. That's nuts. <laughs> That'll work. Do you have anything else you want to add about tonight? Yeah, just the. De- I'll pro- ch- cheers to the defense real quick. I mean, forcing twenty-one turnovers. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It, it, I mean, there's just not much else you can say. That was just a great game. Total beatdown. It's what you like to see. One anecdote. The the gray and pink uniforms, I thought, in complete honesty, were Nevada's best uniforms this year. I thought they were the best ones. We've we, take. we've given Nevada's uniforms, uh, I would say, some fair criticism. They, they don't look great. They, they look blocky. They look kind of funky. I I thought the pink and gray uniforms tonight were awesome, and maybe they look a little bit sexier when you put up a hundred points. I don't know. <laughs> but my my thought process is maybe you wear those, you keep wearing those, and see where it goes. <laughs> I say wear it, wear it until it doesn't work. That's what I'm saying. We'll bring them down to Vegas next week. Let's go. <laughs> Pick them up. <laughs> All right, let's let's kick it to our our conversation with Ryan Radke, who was at the game tonight. By the way, just shot me a text. You know what he said? He said when Nevada plays like that, sky is the limit. And I agree. So an awesome, awesome conversation with Rads. And uh, here that is. Okay, Rads, it is a privilege to have you on. I was talking about before we turned the recorder on here. I'm, I'm glad you're not too big time for us now. <laughs> yes, I, uh, I, I very carefully consider all my interview requests and have them run through my many agencies and representatives. <laughs> and uh, this was deemed to be okay. So I am very happy to be with you. The Reno Slant, <laughs> I would argue, actually should be like the top of the list of places that you'd be happy doing an interview. Well, it was. I mean, it, it went right to the top of the list, and they all said, this is the one you have to do. Forget about the Today Show and forget about Sports Center. You have to start with the Rito Slant. And I said, I agree. I'm on. I'm ready. I'm happy to be here. You're surrounded by some smart people. 
<laughs> I try. I'm not very smart, so I got to surround myself with smart people. So you joined Western One. It'll be it'll be two years ago now in May. So you've been there a little bit now. Now you have some familiarity, some lay of the land. Is it what you thought it would be? Is it different in any ways? I guess what's kind of the experience been for you? Yeah, I, I think it's what I thought uh, that it would be. I, I really had a, a pretty amazing experience when um, – Actually, before I even agreed to a deal officially, a full-time deal uh, with Westwood One, uh, I spent a, a year, my last year in Nevada, I did some freelancing uh, for them. Mm-hmm. And when they had approached me about that and had approached Learfield about the possibility of me doing some some freelancing for them, uh, one of the things they did is they invited me to come to a Monday Night Football game in Santa Clara and just said, why don't you come out, just sit in the booth, and you can kind of just see how our operation runs because it's probably a little bit different than what you're used to. Sure. And I think that was a huge experience for me because I got to stand there. And obviously, Monday Night Football is a whole different level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I got to just see kind of how things ran. And it was. It was very different than what I was used to. Uh, I was in a situation in Nevada where uh, I was the play-by-play guy. I was also the producer. And for basketball, I was also the engineer. We had uh, an engineer for football. Uh, obviously, you, you go to Westwood One, they have people doing all those jobs. And so... Uh, I got to see kind of how things worked, and I think that prepared me uh, pretty well in terms of just giving me an idea of what things were were going to look like. And um, so, yeah, I, I think it has been what I thought it was going to be. I enjoy the people that I work for. I thoroughly enjoyed the experience over the last couple of years, and hopefully, there's many more years to come. For sure. So, what what would you say? You've got to do all sorts of cool things. We we're talking about before we came on to some NFL playoff games, the Olympics. We'll get to that. I mean, what what would you put? at the top of some of the coolest things that you've got to experience in your new role? Boy, you know, that's a good question. A lot of people have asked and, and, you know, I, I kind of go in order, you know, college football starts for me. So I, I, I think about the sec championship games that I've done. I think about the times I've been in sec stadiums. Um, I think those are always cool. And I, I think that's one of those things that you probably can't fully understand or appreciate. I know I didn't until you go, and then once you experience it, you kind of figure out uh, what that environment is like and what it's like when there's 80,000 people that are literally, it seems, ready to live and die based on the outcome <laughs> of the game. Um, two years ago, I did LSU Florida. Uh, both teams were coming off losses. LSU had just lost to Troy at home, snapping their 40-something game home winning streak. Florida was off to a rough start. And you got the impression that whoever lost that game, their coach might be fired on the field. I mean, that's just kind wow. of the impression that you got. And we're talking, it's like game six of the season, right? Yeah. And then you throw that in. It was the week that Tom Petty had passed away, which was obviously a huge thing in Gainesville. Mm-hmm. And so the emotion that was in the stadium, I mean, was just kind of, I mean, it was just overwhelming. You could feel it the, the minute you walked on campus. So, uh, getting to do some of those things has been great. Um, Obviously, going to, to South Korea and being part of the Olympics is something I never thought I'd be able to do in my career. Uh, I did a Thanksgiving Day NFL game this year, which, again, I never thought I'd be broadcasting a game on Thanksgiving Day, um, doing the Lions and the Bears. Going to London to do the NFL, again, I mean, I hate to keep repeating myself, but I never <laughs> thought I'd be going to London to do uh, broadcast. I've gone, fortunately, you know, two years in a row and been able to spend two weeks in London, which has been absolutely amazing. And uh, you know, then getting to do the NCAA tournament last year, that was always kind of a bucket list thing for me. In fact, when people would ask me in Nevada, you know, what's what's kind of left on the list? I always mentioned the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, my last year at Nevada, I was able to be part of that with uh, with Muss's team and going to Milwaukee. And then 
I got a chance to go do it in Dallas last year. So there's a lot of cool experiences, a lot of things I've really enjoyed, but those are just some that, that pop into my head right away. Yeah, those are some big ones, some big, big ones. Do you, do you ever have an idea? I know with radio it can be tricky, but do you ever an idea, have an idea how many people are listening to to your broadcast now? You know, I, I don't. I'm sure that, that they have some metric in the home office that could measure that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do know if I ask, and I don't often ask, but – uh, you know, I do know how many stations are carrying our games on that particular day. Yeah. Obviously, something like Thanksgiving Day in the NFL is going to be cleared on a lot of stations. Maybe surprisingly, one of the, the things that I've done that has been cleared on uh, the most stations is the Division II National Championship game. Oh, and that's because it's all, yeah, it's all part of the uh, Elite Eight weekend. And so, you know, people, it's kind of part of the package. You carry the Elite Eight games, but you also carry the Division II game. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, that's cleared on, on a lot of stations. So generally, I kind of judge it based on the amount of texts I get. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was funny on on Thanksgiving. Uh, I tend to put my phone away during games, but at halftime in Detroit, I pulled out my phone and I look, and I had like 21 text messages. <laughs> and it was from some people I hadn't heard from from a long time, uh, some friends that I had kind of lost touch with, honestly. And it was people that, you know, were driving to some uh, family member's house for Thanksgiving and just had the radio on and went, Hey, wait a minute. I know this guy. <laughs> I know that guy. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you, you get that from time to time. And that's when you can tell that a lot of people were probably listening because also you get these text messages going, Hey, this is cool. You're doing this game. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how I measure it. I think that's awesome. That, that's so cool. Uh, one of the things that, that made you stand out that helped you separate yourself and I think got you to the position you're in now is the amount of preparation you put into every single broadcast in what you did. Did your craft or the way you go about your craft, did it change at all transitioning from Nevada to, to Westwood one? No. Uh, if anything, I've, I've probably ramped up the preparation that I do um, because, as I said, I really only have one job now, and that is to do the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, before, when you're at a place like Nevada and you're doing the game, but you're also kind of responsible for the production of the game and you're doing the coaches show and you're doing a daily show and you're doing luncheons and dinners and things like that. Uh, there's a lot of different things that, that can cut into your time. Uh, also it's a little bit different because at, at Nevada, look, you need to know Nevada inside and out. You need to know them like the back of your hand. Nothing can surprise you when it comes to Nevada, but if there's something that maybe you don't know about the other team, uh, that's okay because mm-hmm. your audience is Nevada. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's not to say I didn't try to learn all those things. I certainly did, but, uh, now I'm in a position where you need to know as much as you can about both teams and you're not familiar with them because you don't broadcast their games every single week. So, uh, I spend a lot more time. I think, well, I wouldn't say a lot more. I spend more time probably on prep now because yeah. I have that time. I'm, I don't have other things, uh, to worry about. Um, because I want to go in feeling like I know as much as I possibly can about the two teams that I'm going to be covering on that weekend or for that particular game. I'll have you know, this is probably a fun time to mention it. So do you remember back in, it's like August 15, when I did a story with you for the Sparks uh-huh. Tribune back at the Aces? I remember that was one of the things that you told me how important preparation was. And that's before I started my radio show and ultimately this podcast. And that has stuck with me. <clears throat> I, I do want you to know that, how important well, the preparation piece is. I'm glad it's it stuck with you because it, the reason it stuck with me is because it got drilled into me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was really lucky when I started my career. I, I had a couple people in particular that were huge influences uh, on me. One uh, was the the uh, first guy I worked with in professional baseball, Brett Dolan, who I worked with with the uh, the Tucson Sidewinders, and he was nice enough to bring me in as as a number two guy and 
let me get my feet wet in pro ball because I bugged him constantly. And he was like, if you stop calling me, I'll let you do some, some baseball <laughs> games. Um, so I, I beat his door down and convinced him to, to let me in there and, and do it. And the other one was Brian Jeffries, who was the, the play-by-play voice at Arizona, who I worked under and with for uh, a decade. And those two guys, both of them, would always tell me that. Whenever I would ask about broadcasting, whenever I would, we would get into conversations kind of about the craft, they would beat that into me, that you have to be prepared. You cannot just show up and think it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You have to prepare. And uh, I'll never forget the very first um, baseball game that I did at uh, Arizona. Uh, it was my, my first year at the, at the radio station, and um, we, did, uh, we did every baseball game back then. And uh, Brian had a conflict because it was on a, a basketball weekend, so he was like, okay, you're going to do this baseball game. And I had never done a, a complete baseball game by myself. I had never done more than like two innings of a baseball game. And <laughs> I sat down and I did this prep and I thought, all right, I'm ready. And by the third inning, I was completely out of material. I had used everything that I had, had prepped for. And, um, so it kind of showed me like, Hey, that, you know, you think you did a lot. You got to do a lot more, but right. that, that was just drilled in me. Brett and Brian just absolutely drilled that into me from, from day one. And so it's one of the things that. Whenever anybody asks me about it, I, I try to give them because I feel like it was an important lesson that I was fortunate uh, to learn from two guys that were willing to teach me. Yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. So you did your first ever baseball game, going from two innings and not to a full game. And then mm-hmm. last winter, you did something new. You went to the Olympics. You're in South Korea. You called yeah. alpine skiing, luge, and bobsled. Were those the three? Uh, and skeleton as well. And yeah. skeleton as well. <clears throat> that had to be a complete what am I doing? Like, how do you even figure out how to sink your teeth into that? Cause you're learning a new sport. Yeah. Great question. Um, so when I, when I signed my contract with Westwood one, it was part of the deal that I would go to the winter Olympics. Um, but I didn't really know what that was going to involve. Literally my contract said part of the winter Olympics team. So I didn't really know what that was going to do. Meant. Yeah. Uh, I got a call probably, oh, I think it was in, June maybe of 2017, I want to say maybe July. I remember I was on the road with the Aces and I got a call from one of my bosses at Westwood One and said, Hey, I want to, you know, talk to you about the Olympics. And I said, okay. And, uh, he said, uh, he said, um, what do you know about alpine skiing? <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm kind of racking my brain because the answer is nothing, but right. I'm racking my brain trying to think like, do I tell him that or do I try to pass this off? Like, oh yeah, you know, I know, whatever. <laughs> so I decided, you know, this guy knows me pretty well by now. I should just be honest. So I, I, I said, you know, Mike, I, I, I really don't know much. And he goes, okay, what do you know about luge, bobsled and skeleton? And I was like, um, well, I've watched them and I know that they're kind of fun to watch when the Olympics roll around. But beyond that, I don't really know. And he right. goes, all right, great. You have six months to figure it out. <laughs> and that was it. So, um, fortunately in, in, you know, number one, I had a lot of lead time. And yeah. So, uh, a lot of this stuff is actually, there's, there's far more of it on television than you would think there is. Uh, so part of it was just kind of finding these sports that were on television and when they were on at 2 AM and setting my DVR and, um, you know, doing that. So I, I started, I started recording everything I could find with those sports and I started watching them to mm-hmm. get familiar with names and people, listening to people that have called them, how they call them, and doing that. I was on YouTube all the time looking clips up. Uh, the other thing that really helped me is, um, fortunately for the Olympics, we are basically considered NBC radio 
And so we have access to a lot of the uh, NBC research that gets put out. Oh, nice. So I would get emailed to me what are essentially media guides. I mean, they were anywhere from, I think the shortest one was like 90-something pages. The longest one was maybe like 300. Oh, God. And I would get these media guides that essentially had bios on every single person that was going to ski or slide in, in the Olympics. And uh, so I've started just going through those. And I had these these little note cards. I still have them, actually. And I made note cards for every single person. I made note cards for every single event. And I just kind of started doing that. And then what I would do is, as I was DVRing some of these things, and I would watch them, uh, then I would go back and watch them, and I would mute the TV. And I would just try to call it and see mm. how I did. So I'd start doing it, and I would go, okay, that was awful. Let's do it again. And I would do that. And so I did that leading up to the Olympics. And then, so when I got there, I felt okay. Yeah. Um, but it's still, you know, it's totally unfamiliar. You don't know what the setting's going to be like, what your broadcast position is going to be like or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first couple nights of sliding, um, it was it was kind of trial and error, um, figuring out how to do this. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and I, I think after the, uh, probably two nights, I felt okay. Uh, and then I think by the end, and sadly, this is kind of the way it works, you get to the end and you feel like, all right, I think I got this now. But now it's over. See in four years. You're not going to get another chance for four. exactly four years. <laughs> um, I was fortunate with skiing. I was paired with an analyst, uh, a guy by the name of Doug Lewis, who was an Olympic skier. Doug was fantastic. Um, you know, I told him, I said, "Look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I have the level of expertise that you have on this." So I told him, I said, "I'm looking at this like my job is to give names, bios, storylines, and times, and I need you to fill in the rest because mm-hmm. I don't see what you see." And he was great. He was great about not only doing it, but he was great about teaching me things while we were watching. He was great about uh, we would do something, and he would tell me, like, we'd finish the run, and he'd say, hey, that was pretty good. You saw this, this, or whatever. Or he would say, hey, you need to look out for this, or don't use this. Um, that mm-hmm. doesn't sound right. And he was he was fantastic. So that was uh, that was a huge help. And it turned out to be it – was, it was so much fun. It was such a great experience. Um, I'm really hoping I get a chance to – uh, go to Tokyo for the summer games next year. And, uh, I'm hoping that I, I'm in Beijing in a couple of years for the next winter games because I really, really enjoyed it. Well, if your contract says winter games, that's it. Then I think you're, you're, you're shoe in for the next winter games, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Unfortunately, my contract is up very soon before we get to that. So, mm. uh, hopefully as we get into, uh, negotiations going forward, hopefully that'll be, uh, hopefully there will be another contract and then hopefully sure. that'll be part of it. Cause I would, uh, I, I really would like to, like to do it again. I, I really, really did enjoy the Olympic experience. I can imagine, man. I can imagine. Well, one of the other cool things you did. I mean, not as cool on a global scale, but you, you got to uh, call your your old team back in December in Salt Lake, Nevada, at, mm-hmm. at Utah. What was that like getting to cover them again? You know, it was a, it was fun. First of all, uh, I went to practice for a couple of days before uh, the game, which was first of all very nice that that Mus let me come to practice. Uh, you know, I used to go to practice almost every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't been for a while, so it was nice to kind of just go back and and see the guys on the coaching staff. And um, you know, once once practice started and Mus was doing his thing, and it was like, all right, this is familiar. This is the the same kind of thing. Um, and then on the other end, and then it was kind of weird though because you know I, I wasn't traveling with them. I wasn't at their hotel. I wasn't. And I wasn't there representing Nevada. I was yeah. there representing Westwood One. And so, um, you know, I had to make sure that I was representing the University of Utah the same way that uh, I would represent uh, Nevada. But 
uh, it was fun. I, I enjoyed being there. I enjoyed getting a chance to, to call the game. You know, I wish I got to do a little more uh, college basketball. I do miss um, doing as many games uh, mm-hmm. as I used to, but it was it was definitely a fun experience and, and glad I got to be there for that, yeah. for sure. There's probably not a chance you get to call Nevada again until the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah, that would be that would be the next one, uh, and that's kind of a, a crapshoot because we get our our site assignments uh, obviously before the bracket comes out. So, yeah. um, you know, even last year, some people joked like, "Oh man, we should have sent you to Nashville. You would have been able to just kind of check off one team, you know, that you already knew." Yeah. Um, but uh, those decisions were made uh, far in advance. So if I end up where they are, that would be awesome. Uh, obviously, I still watch them quite a bit, so I know a lot about them. Right. Um, but if not, I'll just uh, I'll watch them from afar and and uh, you know hope they do well. Hey, Wolfpack Nation! I'd like to talk to you about strength in the pack. Winning does not happen on accident. It comes from great coaches, top recruiting, and a top twenty-five infrastructure. That's the reason Strength in the Pack was created—a community-based nonprofit with the sole purpose to help the Wolfpack build top 25 athletics through small donations starting at just $7.75 per month. So be part of the growing movement that has donated over $180,000 to Wolfpack Athletics. Join today at strengthinthepack.org. Go Pack! And I know you guys didn't think I was done yet. The Blue Tie Ball is the premier winter social event in northern Nevada, and the 2019 edition marks the 10th annual edition of the event. Groove to the glitz and the glamour of this year's Studio 54 theme on Friday, February 1st at the Pepper Mill Resort Spa Casino. This is a black tie affair, and theme dress is encouraged. The Blue Tie Ball is presented by Northern Nevada Toyota dealers, and all funds generated through this unique event benefit scholarships and student-athletes at the University of Nevada. For tickets, go to nevadawolfpack.com slash ball. And for more information, call 775-682-6901. Get your tickets today, not tomorrow, today. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask how how closely you get to follow the team. Are you watching every game, occasional games, checking box scores? What's that like for you? Yeah, I, I watch most of their games. Um I've been to probably five or six this year. Um and I've watched, you know, numerous others uh, on on TV. Last year, I really didn't get to watch much. It was such a crazy year with uh, once football ended, and then I had a couple basketball games I had to do, and then it was off to Pyeongchang for almost a month. Yeah. And with the time difference over there, I, I really didn't get to watch any college basketball because games would come on at, at four in the morning or, or something like that, or they'd come on like at nine a.m., which was right at the time we were starting skiing, and so. Right. Um, I didn't get to, to watch much of it. So I've seen a lot more of them this year than, than I did last year and uh, certainly still enjoy watching them. And, and like I said, hope they do well. You were at Nevada for, for nine years, right? Uh, I believe that's correct, yeah. Nine years. Nine years. Yeah. you ever think you'd see Nevada as a, as a top ten team for basically the length of an entire season so far? No, um, I, I, I didn't. Um, I, it, just, it was so far out of the realm of, of possibility, obviously. Right. Um, going through some of the tough years that that we did, um, and then even you know when Musk came in and they had some success that first year and made the huge jump, you know I thought okay well that, that's great and and that was a great jump and it was it was fun but there's still a long way to go mm-hmm. um, from CBI champions to where they want to get to and to see what they've done in such a short amount of time really is staggering. There's not many schools there may not be another school in the country that can talk about that kind of jump going from winning single digit games to being a top 10 team in a four year span. It's, it's pretty amazing. (laughs) 
No kidding. So this this might be might be a tough question to ask, but I'm going to ask you anyway. If you, yeah. I'm sure you've reflected on your time and had some time to think about uh-huh. what what it was like in Reno. Mm-hmm. What would you say would be your biggest takeaway, or some of your biggest takeaways of as you've now transitioned to this next phase of your career? In terms takeaways, in terms of what? Just what you gather from that whole experience as a broadcaster, maybe even as a person. Well, I certainly, uh, I certainly grew up, uh, as a broadcaster for sure. Um, you know, I, I had done obviously a ton of baseball. I had done pro baseball. I had done college baseball. Uh, I had done all those things before coming to Nevada, but I had done, you know, actual on the air. I had done what, maybe four college basketball games before I got here. I'd done tons more in turn, you know, with yeah. demo reels and, and things like that, but actually on the air. I'm four might even be exaggerating. It might've been two or three, um, that I had done. And I had done exactly zero football games before I got to Nevada. So the first football game I ever did in my life was the game against Grambling state, the opener in, in 2008, um, for a team that I had never seen by the way, cause I was in Tucson finishing a, a baseball season. So, mm-hmm. uh, I definitely grew up uh, a lot, uh, as a broadcaster. I think I, I got a lot better. I think I, I figured a lot of things out. Um, yeah, and I, I, there, there's no way that I, that I am where I am right now without the experience at Nevada, because it, it certainly afforded me that opportunity. I was very fortunate that I came into an environment where people welcomed me and kind of gave me uh, that chance. I didn't really publicize the fact that I had never in my life done a football game before, <laughs> uh, that first game. Which Probably smart. Was Probably in, smart. Yeah. yeah. Which was intentional. In <laughs> fact, I'm not sure how many people, I, I don't really, that's not something I really still publicize. Um, I kind of lied on my resume. I guess I can say that now. What are they going to do? Sue me? Um, I lied on my resume and I lied in the interview about how many football games I'd done. They actually asked me at one point, like I thought I'm going to get away with this. And then in one of my interviews, I, I did a ton of interviews before when I got sure. the job. Uh, in one of my interviews, might have been Rory Hickok asked me, well, how many football games do you think you've done? And I flat lied. I think I told them like, Oh, I've probably done like 70 or 80. <laughs> and uh, I had never done a single one in my life, so um, that was definitely that was definitely interesting. But sure. it, it shows how times have changed now, because now all your calls are online. You can see every game you've done, probably. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a little harder to uh, to do that now. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really recommend anybody do it. <laughs> I'm not going to uh, you know endorse lying uh, and untruth. But I knew. Look, here was the thing. I knew I wasn't getting the job if if I told him. If I said I've never done a football game in my life, that was it. I wasn't going to get the job. Right. And so I took a chance. I, I I lied, and then when I got the job, I said I better figure out how to do this. <laughs> and um, if I go back now and I listen to the the first football game I did, uh, it was pretty awful. Um, but uh, that was all part of just the, the learning and the growing mm-hmm. and, and figuring things out. And like I said, fortunately I had an environment that uh, allowed me to do that. And I, I guess I did it well enough or faked my way through it well enough the, the first year or two that, you know, people didn't turn on me and, and run me <laughs> out of here. So I ended up sticking around for nine years. Ended up working out for a certain. Yeah. I, and yeah. I think I remember you telling me at one point, you, you never go back and listen to your broadcasts, right? Uh, I don't like to, I, I do a little bit uh, more of it now. Um, I, I don't even know why I get, you, you could ask me why. And I guess I wouldn't have a good answer for that. I, I still, it's not, it's still not something I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think now I probably get a little more feedback on stuff. And so a lot of times maybe I'm going back trying to 
okay, when, when he, when he said this, do I hear that? Do I agree with that? Or, um, should I have done this better? Sometimes it's, it's that, um, mm-hmm. I finish a game and I think, boy, did I, did I do that call justice? Let me, let me go back and, and listen to it. Um, so I do a little bit more of it, but no, it's, it's not something that I enjoy at all. All right. It's, it's something I used to, I didn't used to do it with my radio show, but now with a podcast, it's easier. I make myself listen to it one time each time and I try to catch some things and yeah. it's helpful. What advice would you maybe have, that might even be one of them, for someone who's trying to break into broadcasting? Nevada has a big journalism school. For someone who's maybe trying to be the next Ryan Radke, what's maybe some advice you could give that person? Well, I mean, first of all, I would say, again, what I was told uh, when I was getting ready to go to college, which was get an internship. I mean, figure out a way to get an internship. and Because I think it just gives you – such good insight into what this is really like. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to hang around the radio station in Tucson that I ended up working for for 10 years. I hung around there for a summer as an unpaid intern. And, uh, but I was there like, you know, eight, 10 hours a day and I got to see how it works and what it's really like, um, to do that. And I, I think a lot of times what it's really like is different than what you may think. And so getting a chance to see that, I think gives you a chance to say, okay, do I really want to do this? Is this something that, that I want to do with my life? If you decide that it is, then I think, you know, we, we talked about the preparation already. You got to be willing to pour yourself into it. You can't just sit back and say, ah, I've seen this team all the time. I'm good. Yeah. I'll just show up Saturday for the game or, or whatever. Um, you have to do that. You have to have a, a strong work ethic. And, you know, for a lot of people, you have to be willing to move a lot. Uh, really, I, I've been incredibly blessed in my career that, um, I got hired when I was a senior at the University of Arizona is when I got my first job. And so uh, I was already in Tucson and then I stayed in Tucson for uh, 10 years. And then when I was moving to Reno anyway, because the baseball team was moving, uh, the Nevada job was open and I got the Nevada job. But there are a lot of people that have to go to a lot of small markets all over the country, you know, live in six different cities in seven years. Um, you know, and, and you kind of have to willing, be willing to do that. I was, I said at the time, if that's what I have to do, that's what mm-hmm. I'll do. Uh, fortunately I, I didn't have to, but, um, you have to do that. And then, you know, you have to find a way to get some, some tangible, uh, experience. Um, yeah. however that comes either through your internship or, uh, whatever. Um, you know, one of the things that always frustrated me a lot about the University of Nevada is I always heard about their journalism school, which was great. And mm-hmm. I heard about all the, the people that were print writers that came out of there. And I was like, man, that's awesome. Um, but what about the other side of it? What about the the digital, the broadcasting side of it? I'm sure there's probably people that are in that school that are interested in it. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't see a lot of that. You know, I, I didn't. Um, nobody ever asked me to come talk to anybody. Nobody uh, seemed to be. Uh, really interested in getting people real world experience, uh, in that. And that was frustrating to me because I felt like if there are kids that are, you know, involved in that, I think they're being done a disservice. Yeah. Um, so uh, I would tell people, you know, try to, try to find some, some real world experience and, and get into it and, 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 you know, see where that leads you. Or maybe start a podcast. <laughs> or maybe start a podcast. Yeah. You know what's funny? Podcast, I think podcasting is the great, like, you know me that mm-hmm. I'm like the most technically stupid person around <laughs> i'll i'm sure you have five minutes where you're gonna you know rail at me about my lack of twitter um because you love doing that especially in public forums that's coming up um, yep. <laughs> but I, I love like i love podcasts i i really because they're so great you know you don't have to be in your car at a certain time or you don't right. have to um you know if, if you forget 
you know, hey, so and so was coming on at ten fifteen, and oh man, I I got caught doing something else and I missed it. <clears throat> it's great. I, I love being able to, you know, when I when I, especially when I'm on the road in the summertime with the baseball team and I'm going out to run in the morning and I put my earphones in and I can listen to these uh, podcasts. It's mm-hmm. awesome, man. I, I think podcasting is like the greatest thing ever. I'm a I am a huge podcast. Fan. So so who are the, what are the podcasts you like listening to? Uh, well, I will tell you that, um, I'm glad you texted me and asked mm-hmm. me to do this one because I wasn't even aware that you were doing this one, but now I am. And before. Say <laughs> so we got to add it to the rotation you, now. <laughs> exactly. Now I'm subscribed now. Um, but before I, I, uh, before we taped this, uh, I was like, man, I just, I wonder kind of what they're doing. So I went back, I listened to your interview with uh, Mark from Silver and Blue Outfitters, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was awesome, by the way. I love Mark's story and I, I thought that was a, I really enjoyed that conversation. Um, Beyond that, I listened to, uh, I don't know if you and I have discussed this in a public forum. Other people know this about me that I'm like a 1980s and 90s wrestling freak. So I have some uh, wrestling podcasts that I listen to, uh, that I enjoy very much. And, uh, there's a couple other just kind of random, mostly all sports yeah. things that uh, I listen to. I've had other people tell me about, you know, hey, you should listen to this one or like a series or something like that. And, uh, I need to to get to to some of those, but yeah, largely it's it's sports, uh, a lot of wrestling, so that that keeps me busy, and I enjoy that, especially when I'm on the road. Yeah, for certain. All right, I do. I appreciate you saying you you like the interview with Mark. It truly was one of my favorite ones I've done so far. Um, their, oh, it's great. Their I mean, story is fascinating. It really is, and it, it's so cool to hear about a guy who you know basically started a business based on his passion for this university and realizing, hey, I think that. You know, Reno needs something like this. And so he did it. And just to kind of hear the story of getting them started and then the insights he gave you too on just, uh, stuff that I've been fortunate to hear from him in the past, but about how they have to, you know, order stuff a year out. And you wonder how come silver and blue doesn't have this on the shelves right now? Well, because they had to order it 12 months ago to yeah. get it here. Like that's pretty cool. So, you know, it's, it's fun to hear that stuff. So this is the part where I would usually ask you to plug your stuff, how people can find your work. And almost the first thing yeah. people always say is you can follow me on Twitter and you right. do not have a Twitter still. No, I can't believe I Westwood don't. one didn't make you get one. Uh, I'm a little surprised too, to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. But they didn't. And I'm glad they didn't. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just, I mean, we've joked about it, Nathan, but I, I just, I have no interest. I, I really don't. Um, it's, it's not something that I think is, in most ways, I don't think it's productive, um, especially in my line of work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people tell me all the time, like, oh, it's a great way to, to get news. And, and I, I understand that. And I tell them, like, you know, I, I get that. I, I, I understand that. I think that's the positive of it. Unfortunately, I think the negative of it is we live in such a negative world today. Yeah. And I just feel like Twitter becomes a place to just amp that negativity up to a 100, whether that's. You know, people who start getting in Twitter fights about the dumbest things, whether it's politics or sports, and then it just turns into this, you know, yelling match um, back and forth. Mm-hmm. And especially for somebody in my profession, uh, I, I really feel like if I had a Twitter account, all that does is just give people a place to find me and, and to yell start at you. tweeting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, about I can't believe you said this or, you know, you suck. You're the worst ever. Um and you know, that's, that's part of the business. Like I get that, but I just, it, it's not something I think is productive. I don't need it in my life. Yeah. Um, not to mention, I, I am a pretty, I'm, I'm very passionate about my job. Um, so if somebody starts coming at me about my job and, and things like that, I'm probably going to go back at them, which I don't need <laughs> in my life. Um, and I'm also somebody that I, you know, there are still certain things that I 
in sports even that I feel passionate about. And I don't need the ability to pick up my phone and fire off a tweet and then five minutes later go, okay, I got to delete that. That was, I I shouldn't have said that, you know? So, you know, what's funny about this too, Nathan is, is everybody I've ever talked to about this and has has said, you know, I can't believe you on Twitter. How do you not Twitter? Which is great. I'll tell you when it's really fun is when I work with a new partner for the first time Mm -hmm. and they're tweeting out before the game, you know, Hey, Tune us in on West One. They'll, they'll look at me and go, "What's your Twitter handle?" handle. I go, "I yeah. don't have one." And they look at me like for a second, like you're joking. Like, no, no, no seriously, what's your? And I'm like, "No, I, I don't." And they're just like, "Okay." This guy and showed like, up on a time machine to the stadium yeah. today. <laughs> Who is this? Where they find this guy? Holy smokes! Yeah. But when I, you know, whenever I talk to people and I explain to them kind of why I don't have it or why I, I don't like it, I have had so many people say to me, "Good for you. You are so much better off." I wish I didn't. Um, I've never had anybody say to me, like, really, like, you know what? You need to get this. You're really missing out. But I've had literally hundreds of people tell me, you're so lucky. Stay away from it. Um, and I I actually read, I know I'm taking up way too much time on this, but no, this is great. I I love it. I I actually read a thing. Uh, this was, I don't know, a couple years ago. Uh, Joe Buck talked about this. And, and before I go any further into this, I am not comparing myself in any way to Joe Buck. So let's just Joe Buck is way up here and I'm way down here. So that let's make that clear. You're, you're but, the you're the Joe Buck arena. Yeah, there you go. Okay, I'll take that. Sure, I'll take that. <laughs> but you know, J- Joe Buck talked about how he had become so reliant on it that he was literally like they would go to break and he would pick up his phone and he was looking at Twitter and That's he would see you know Joe Buck sucks and then he'd want to tweet back at this guy and he said you know he was like I got to a point where I'm like what am I doing? Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, I, I just, I deleted it. I, I got rid of it because I just, I don't need it. And it's funny. Like I'll, I'll go to games and sometimes we do games. Sometimes we're sitting like right behind TV or we're sitting to the left of TV or, or even sometimes people I've worked with where we'll go to break. And the first thing they do is they pick up their phone and they're looking at Twitter. And I understand where if you're looking for a stat or you're just looking for that nugget that, you know, Adam Schefter just tweeted out mm-hmm. or something like that's cool. I, I get that. But more often than not, you know, a lot of people are looking at what are people saying about me? And then yeah. it becomes, you know, hey, this guy's being pretty mean. You know, I'm not, I'm going to make a snide comment to him. And then here we go. Yeah. And you're not even paying attention to your job at that point. So I just, you know, if somebody told me, like, look, get it or else, you know, Westwood One tells me, hey, get it or we're not signing a new contract. I probably would do it and figure out a way to make it work. But until somebody literally says you have to have this. I I don't want it. I just I, I don't think I need it in my life. That's a that's a sound sound argument. I'm not going to push you on it. I will tell you though, if if the, if the if the day comes when you have to get it, we'll we'll introduce you to the mute button or the block button, and then you don't hear from those people anymore. Yeah, I, you know what? I mean, that's it's just it's so weird to me that like I've never had like when I was doing a, a talk show back in the day, and I was a terrible talk show host. I mean, like beyond bad. Um, I never understood the people that would send me these like hateful emails about like how awful it was. Cause I was like, if you really hated that much, just turn, turn the station. Yeah. Like that's what I would do. And I've never had that. Like I've never had that impetus to want to fire off an email or a tweet to somebody and just be like, you know what? You're awful at your mm-hmm. job. You are just terrible. But a lot of people do. And I, I don't understand it, but again, a lot of people do. And that's their right. Certainly to, uh, to do that but yeah i just you know i, I don't want to get to that i don't want to get into oh I'm, I'm blocking this person and i'm blocking this person i just like <laughs> whatever like it's just you know people yeah. people like it that's cool go for it 
It's not my thing. You know what? I like 1980s wrestling. A lot of people don't. That's cool. Don't like it. It's fine. No problem. I'm not going to push you to watch it. People just want to be angry. A lot of the time, it's it's kind of ridiculous, uh, yeah. especially in this especially in this day and age. It's where we are. It's where we are in this country right now. Yeah. People just want to be angry. Yeah. So you know. So, so since people can't find you on Twitter, what is a way people can find you? I guess what's your upcoming schedule look like? So uh, this weekend, uh, I will be in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, for Kansas and Kentucky, which I'm looking forward to. I've never been to Lexington before, and obviously, we're talking about two of the blue blood programs. Yeah. And, college basketball so that'll be fun next month uh, i'll be back in lexington actually for tennessee and kentucky which i'm excited about tennessee just got to the top of the polls this week i had them last year in the tournament um they're really really good uh and that'll be a great game i think between those two teams so uh, i'm looking forward to that and then uh championship week i'll be in vegas again um for all the championship week i'll be there for the west coast conference championship game uh and then the pac-12 uh semifinals and championship game um, a lot of those games are available, uh, here in Reno. Mm-hmm. If, um, uh, obviously if they're not going head to head with Nevada basketball. Otherwise, uh, you can always find us on westwoodonesports.com or on the TuneIn app, which is a great app. Uh, I would recommend if you're a sports fan, TuneIn TuneIn's is awesome. awesome. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, you it's can awesome. get so much stuff and especially when the tournament comes, uh, if you're in your car, uh, we're available on Sirius XM. Each site has its own dedicated channel. Also on TuneIn, every site has their own dedicated feed. Uh, so you can listen to that stuff and, uh, check it out there. And we always obviously appreciate that. And it's always fun to, uh, to hear from people in Reno that, uh, you know, I just ran into somebody at, at Target the other day who, who was like, Hey, I listened to your, uh, your game in Kansas City last weekend. And, uh, it's always fun to, to hear from people in Reno that stumble across my games and, and are nice enough to, to say hi and, uh, you know, say it's nice to hear my voice or, or something like that. So, yeah. That's great. Well, Rats, yeah. uh, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. It really was great catching up with you. Congrats on everything you got going on. It's certainly well-deserved, and, and good luck the rest of the season, okay? Nathan, I appreciate it, man, and congratulations to you on the podcast. I think it's awesome that uh, that you're doing this. I think it's something that Reno desperately needs. And it's funny, when I started listening to podcasts, I, I kind of thought about doing something like what you're doing, but I, yeah. I didn't have the creativity to, to pull it off. But I'm glad that somebody like you is doing it and is doing a great job, and I've heard uh, from a lot of people, I've heard a lot of good things about it. So I uh, hope it keeps going well for you, and uh, I will definitely, I'm a subscriber now, so <laughs> I'll be tuned in, listening to all the uh, the great guests you got coming up. Thanks for having me on. Man, h- how great was that hearing from Rads? He just, he is the man. I had, and I talked to, we talked about a little bit after the recorder was done, and I, I mentioned it there in the interview. One of my favorite interviews ever when I was at the Sparks Tribune was with him my second year, and he told me a couple things that really stuck with me, and it was the importance of preparation, and that was before I started my radio show, it was before I started this, long before I started this podcast, and he also talked about enjoying the present, enjoying where you are, not not worrying so much about where you're going, because I, I asked him about, you know, you're obviously one of the up-and-coming broadcasters, everyone knows your name who's in this space, how much do you think about moving on? And he goes, you know, if it happens, it happens. But I'm I'm grateful for where I am. And it was perspective that just stuck with me. And I think it a lot of people that that's something we could all take a breath, take a deep breath, and think about. So uh, it was great having Rads on. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, really fun chat with Rads there. So we'll we'll move on now to the UNLV game. No game on Saturday. So the game next Nevada's next game is Tuesday. It's down here in Vegas. It's one of our favorite tip times, 8 o'clock on ESPN2 at Thomas and Mac. 
Bro, what's uh, something we need to know about the Rebs? UNLV is pathetic. <laughs> I went on their website last night. They have to promote to get people to buy tickets to come to the Nevada to when Nevada's coming into town. I saw the deal they're having right now. You get four tickets. It comes with four crummy hats, of course, because they're red and they say UNLV across them. <laughs> and then you also get four chicken combos from Raising Cane's. So that was my first thing is that I thought that was an absolute disgrace because if the roles were reversed, there is no way or no need to have any sort of marketing tactic like that to get people to show up to Lawler. In fairness, everyone who's played Nevada this year has done that. Because <laughs> Nevada's the biggest game of the year for they all these no- teams. I don't care. They don't need to do that. In-state <laughs> rival, I just thought it was pathetic. So I haven't bought my ticket yet. So for my, my friends down here in Vegas who don't have tickets yet also, who wants to go in with me? I, we, let's, let's get some Raising Canes. So those listening. If you do that, tweet. if you do that, if you do that, you better stare at like one of the ticket guys as you throw the hat in the trash can. <laughs> um, so the Rebs had not a great non-conference, like pretty much every team in the Mountain West, but they've, they're starting to play a lot better now. They're 11 and 7, 5 and 1 in the Mountain West. They smacked New Mexico at home last, on Tuesday night. Their next game is at San Diego State on Saturday. The Rebels have won four straight at home. It was their first time sweeping New Mexico in eight years. It's worth noting with their 5 and 1 start in, in Mountain West play, they've had a pretty weak schedule in conference here. The best team they've beat per Ken Palm in the Mountain West is New Mexico. And New Mexico's at 185 on that thing. They've played Colorado State, Wyoming, San Jose State, and New Mexico. All those were at home down here in Vegas. Their two games on the road were at New Mexico. That was New Mexico's first game after whooping up on Nevada. And at Air Force. And they got smacked at Air Force. It's their first 5-1 start in conference play since the 2011-2012 season. And... You know I'm going to get into metrics here. The net has about 146, so this is a quadrant three game. The Rebels would have to get up to 135 for this to be a quadrant two. They're starting to play better. It can happen. Ken Palm has them at 148, and kind of fun. I think it was Eli Becker who did like a comparison. Or no, I think it was Kevin Sweeney who did a comparison between net and RPI. So I pulled up the RPI for the Rebels. They're at 172 on that thing. 146 net, 172 RPI. Either way, not great. Quadrant three game, I think it's a little bit tougher than maybe the metrics would say, just based off what UNLV has done since we've transitioned to conference play here. Another bright spot of the UNLV game right now is their rebounding. So this is going to play into how Nevada's been missing a lot of shots. I mean, it's it's not a secret that Nevada's not shooting well. So this is one thing that will factor greatly for them. They have out-rebounded opponents in 16 of the 18 games. They've only been out-rebounded by Air Force in New Mexico. Um, they don't have any seven-footers, but they got two 6'11 guys and two guys are 6'10. So they do got a little bit of height. Um, so that's going to be something to definitely be watching out for, is especially if Nevada's shooting the way they've been shooting this season, is that be looking for UNLV to be grabbing a lot of balls off the glass. For sure. That was going to be my next thing as well. This team rebounds the hell out of the basketball. Going into Tuesday's game at New Mexico, you mentioned they've out-rebounded opponents in 16 of 18 games. The New Mexico game was one of them. They got out-rebounded by one, 42-41. But they're second in the country in offensive rebounds per game, around 15.3. Their offensive rebounding percentage is number one in the country. I think they're tied with Portland State in that, in that stat. They are 11th in the country in rebounding margin. 
beating opponents on average by eight rebounds per game. They're 18th in the country in total rebounds, grabbing almost 41 rebounds per game. And the interesting kind of thing is they don't have one guy who's like their rebounding guy. They don't have a single active player who's grabbing more than, who's averaging more than 6.3 rebounds per game. So it really is a team approach for them when it comes to their dominance on the glass. And they also lead the Mountain West in blocks per game with 4.4 blocks. So they, they know how to play in the paint when it comes to rebounding and block shots. Cause that, yeah, rebounding was where I was going to go next. That is the thing that this team does exceptionally well. Yeah, and then we were talking about, or how you mentioned that the, you know, the, the preseason it was kind of rough, and then as they got into conference play, it's, they've started to emerge a little better. Preseason, they were picked to finish sixth mm-hmm. by the media, finish sixth in the Mountain West. And right now, they're sitting in second. So if you're, you know, a UNLV team that's, you know, you're projected to finish bottom half, now you're sitting in second. You see that Nevada's been struggling. You're playing at home. This is the perfect time for them to, you know, basically be having the motivation to roll in and try and sneak one away from the Wolfpack. So that that's one is that this UNLV team is they're playing a lot better than they're predicted to. And especially when you're underwritten or kind of written off at the beginning of the year, you pretty much have nothing to lose. Yeah, they, they, they've turned it on once we've gotten to conference play here, especially they're they're starting to turn on shooting from deep and. Nevada could certainly borrow some of that. <laughs> in non-conference play, UNLV was shooting 33% from deep. That was 10th in the Mountain West. Since conference play has started, they've been a different team shooting the ball. They're shooting almost 39, or they're shooting better than 39% in conference play. That's second in the Mountain West. Against New Mexico on Tuesday night, they were 14 of 25 from deep. That's strong. That's like 56, 57% somewhere around there. Now, I will say this. We know guarding perimeter has been a strength for Nevada this year. It's been a strength the last last couple of years. I think Nevada's second in the conference when it comes to defending the three-point line. Um, and that's been a strength for UNLV as well. Just generally speaking, UNLV has been a lot better since conference play started. And I think part of that is they're, they're shooting the ball better, certainly. Minus the Air Force game. That was That was weird. All right, who, who's your favorite player on the other roster? I'm going to go with the most useful player on the squad, hands down. Her name, Sarah Soronko. She is the executive assistant to the head coach. Assistant Maybe to the head coach. The regional manager. <laughs> assistant to the head coach, for emphasis. So looking at that, head coach, big picture. She's little picture. She's day-to-day. So she's the Dwight Schrute of the team. She is listed as being responsible no, she's the, for She's the gym. To Marvin Menzies, Michael. Yeah, we can go that deep. I just was, anyways, her, I was listening at her duties. She is responsible for a day-to-day operations of men's basketball office, as well as assisting in its operations, kind of repetitive there, special events, recruiting, team meals, and team travel budgets. And I couldn't help but think about that office episode when they were trying to find the assistant to the assistant regional manager and Dwight's running around getting coffee poured all over his arms and stuff. <laughs> When, when Dwight is Sarah's, his, Dwight's his own assistant because he needs a man that he can yeah. trust. But yeah, exactly. He kneels for no man, but he also stands for no. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> Sarah Saronko, there you go. Getting a shout out. That's a good one. I went with six five redshirt junior transfer from Idaho, Nick Blair, for a couple reasons. Nick is born from Tacoma, Tacoma boy, so you know that we're boys. 
He did go to Gorman, though. So plus one for being from Tacoma, minus one for going to Gorman. Kind of cool. Minus two. Oh, minus two. That's fair. He actually had – he only played in five games this year and then had the game of his life on Tuesday night against New Mexico. 26 points, 9 of 14 shooting, 4 of 6 from deep. That's playing in a total of five games before Tuesday. I think he scored nine points against San Jose State. And his high Idaho was was 16. So huge, huge game for him this week. couple fun little anecdotes about him. His favorite movie, Hot Rod. And if you can't get down with Hot Rod, I, I don't know what to tell you. Whiskey. Are you saying hot, hot way? So <laughs> that was one of them. And kind of his favorite Marvin Menzies quote. Stay marvelous. That's something Marvin Menzies says. So Marvin Menzies says, stay marvelous. And I think that's just great branding. Strong alliteration game. I can respect it. <laughs> I respect no man from down there. <laughs> All right. Keys to victory in this one. Well, we've tried everything in the books. We've said shoot poor, shoot well, do this. Great first half. Slow start fast. I can't keep up. So I'm going to say shoot poorly from three-point land. <laughs> we've shot poorly the entire season. 18% against Air Force. I mean, we're shooting nearly about, we're probably, most games shooting right around one of four. We're shooting about that 25, upper 25, whatever range. Mm-hmm. Terrible. We're in the upper two, we're in like 219, I think, ranked in the nation in three point percentage. So I'm going to yeah. say just shoot poorly. I'm just going to say just shoot poorly. We've been doing it all season. We're, we're 18 and one. So shoot poorly <laughs> from three points. Shoot poorly. Start slow. Make it super scary in the end. Get into foul mm-hmm. trouble. We should just start doing that for keys to victory. Exactly. Emphasizing all the negative things and we win. <laughs> I, I went with one of them that we said we're going to do all season. It's a rivalry game, so it's going to be especially true, but weather the early storm. I think we could basically just quote that, just grab this audio segment and just put it in for every single week because it's become such a talking point for this team, especially when they're on the road. There are people mm-hmm. tweeting me photos of how empty Thomas Mack was on Tuesday against New Mexico. And that's not going to be the case this coming Tuesday. Since I moved down to Vegas, it's funny. People obviously know now that I have a podcast about Nevada and I cover the team. So we end up talking about UNLV every once in a while. And I've had a number of people tell me, look, we don't care about UNLV except for when they play Reno. That's how they said UNR, Reno, whatever. So this is the only game that people in Vegas care about. They're going to they're gonna show up, especially when Nevada's rolling in town as the number seven team in the country or whatever they are next week. You know the Reds are tired of hearing about Nevada and their preseason aspirations and their top ten ranking and, and, and whatnot. They're going to come out swinging. And the last time Nevada went into Thomas and Mack, do you remember what happened? No. 90-73 to 73 loss to San Diego State in the Mountain West semifinals last year. I was at that game. It was the worst. They were down 55-25 at halftime. You know what they didn't do early? They didn't weather the storm early. It's a different opponent, same building, show up in the first 10 minutes, first 20 minutes. I was hoping you were going to say neither neither do I, and we moved on. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with keeping your emotions in check. Um, that's something that the team's done pretty well all season. Basically, egos have not been an issue. We've seen they're very good with spreading the ball. You've seen uh, Caleb was willing to, you know, be the sixth man, be the sixth man coming off the bench because he wasn't sh- playing very well early. You had after the last game, Mus called out the team's ab- ab- inability to shoot the three. Mm-hmm. So I think that 
especially here going into more of a hostile environment, we're going to be kind of figuring out a new type of offense, you know, post this Colorado State game, that they're going to be trying to figure everything out. Um, but I'm just going to go with the team needs to keep on doing what they've been doing. This, obviously, the offensive rhythm and their offensive se- uh, setups haven't been consistent game to game, but this is going to be one of the ones, well, now you're playing against your state rival there's a lot more on the line. You're not playing Air Force or Colorado State or any of these kind of sub sub you know I'm gonna say subpar teams. Yeah. But this is definitely gonna be more of a, a gut check. Yeah, right rival on the road for sure. That's always something to look at. We talked about how good UNLV is rebounding, so the second one for me is compete on the glass. You can maybe even make this the first one. The Rebs, I mean, they're just they're outstanding when it comes to rebounding the basketball, especially on on the offensive glass. Nevada's only been out rebounded seven times this year, and when you're as good, you've only lost, <laughs> you know, uh, one game. Nevada's six and one in games that it's been out rebounded this year, so it hasn't hurt them in the win loss column. They haven't been rebounding the ball as well as you maybe think when they have as much length as they do at, at all positions. The Rebels are shooting the ball better in Mountain West play. I spoke to that already. They're still only 43% from the field. And San Jose State and Wyoming are the only two teams in the Mountain West that shoot worse than the Rebels from in terms of connecting on, on field goals. So offensive rebounds and second-chance points are a huge part of this UNLV offense. So if Nevada can try to limit some of those offensive rebounds, limit some of those second chances, that takes a big chunk out, out of their offense when, when they're not connecting at a, at a high clip. Obviously, the shots we're going for them on Tuesday. Hopefully, that's not the case Next Tuesday. All right, last one I got. Three-point shooting. Talking point. Another one all season long. Trying to break even. Rebels were lights out last Tuesday against New Mexico. We know defending three-point line has been a strength for Nevada. Rebels are also holding teams to 30% from deep in conference play. So for Nevada, they're going to shoot threes. You know they are. Let's try to get a little bit more selective with them. I'm not sure we need to see Caleb jack up 11 or 12 unless he's you know makes five or six. What do you got for prediction in this one? Against all odds, seventy nine, seventy one, pack. <laughs> we were pretty, we we're pretty close again this week. Since conference play has started, UNLV leads the conference in scoring, scoring eighty points per game in conference. Nevada sh- shooting or scoring a little bit more than seventy two points per game, so almost an eight point per game difference in conference play. It's a rivalry game. Nevada's on the road. Thomas and Mack is going to be crazy. Nevada has looked vulnerable for a lot of this season. They do have a big benefit. Nevada does though, in the fact they don't have a game on Saturday and UNLV does. So you have a little extra time to prepare to get ready for this one. Nevada is five and two versus UNLV since Mush showed up. I got a little bit closer than you. I have Nevada 76, UNLV 71. Welcome mm. to reps with 71. Let's jump mm. into slants now. Games of the weekend. For the first time since the show really started, we don't have any football games this weekend. Down to just one game left. Our picks last weekend, obviously that's the Super Bowl next weekend. Uh, our picks last weekend, we both went one and one. We both had New Orleans minus three and a half, missed that one. We both had New England plus three, hit that one. Two just absolutely bonkers games. So I'm seven and three in the playoffs. Adam, you're four and six. You suck. So we'll have some fun. Well, I'm where I'm where I'm where I'm where it matters though. I faded myself on. I bet a lot of money on the Rams. I, 
So I'm content with that. I'm content. So for games of the weekend, we're going to do college hoops. Uh, I'm going to do a couple Mountain West games. You got a couple games outside the Mountain West, so I'll let, I'll let you start. What are a couple games that you're going to look at this weekend that we can all watch since there's no Nevada game? Exactly. First one, we're going to be looking Big 12 SEC, Kansas at Kentucky. I believe they're ranked 8-9, prospectively, right now. That game's 3 p.m. Saturday. That's always going to be a good one. You got Bill Self and Calipari going at it. Um, Syracuse at Virginia Tech. That's 5 p.m. on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Syracuse, in case anybody forgot, upset Duke a couple weeks back. Virginia Tech's also been playing very well out of the ACC. And then the last one's kind of one of the smaller conferences. I... I can't remember if it's Big East that they're in. I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure if I'm remembering out the spot. But another good game, two good basketball programs historically. Seton Hall at Villanova. Mm. Villanova for those listening, Villanova also just won me a lot of money last night. So go go Nova. And <laughs> that is at eleven thirty AM on Sunday. So those are the three games that I'll probably be tuning in. I picked a couple games in the in the Mountain West. I'll start with on Saturday, UNLV at San Diego State for a couple reasons. One, we go, we go to watch a full game of UNLV before seeing them, uh, in person on Tuesday. And I think this is a real good barometer for UNLV. This is the second game in really a six game stretch after their week starts conference play where they, time to prove it. Are, are you guys real or not? And now you're on the road at San Diego State. We know how hard it's been for Nevada to go to San Diego State and pick up a win. This is the only Mountain West matchup on Saturday between two teams with winning records. And that's going to happen when you have as many teams as the Mountain West does who have losing records. Last game at, last game out, San Diego State blew a 20 point lead at Fresno on Tuesday. Woof. San Diego State, we talked about some of the struggles they've had this year and it's been surprising. Their, their biggest problem is, is defense. They've been a team that's hung its hat on defense, a program that's hung its hat on defense. Ken Palm has them at 202nd in just a defense right now. That's a, that's, a, where you that's a massive, massive drop off for that program. It's not where you want to be. So UNLV at San Diego State and the other one I'm going with is Utah State at New Mexico. Since being Nevada, New Mexico has been just a bummer. Dude, I mean, they're, yeah. they're one in four since being Nevada. Their lone win was at home versus Wyoming and Wyoming stinks. I mean, they're, they're right there with San Jose State uh, this year. Their losses since being Nevada, they lost at home to UNLV by 11. That was their very next game. They went to Colorado State and lost by 25. They went to San Diego State and lost by 20. And then Tuesday night at UNLV, they lost by 16. So, they, this, I was to say they've done they've done Nevada no favors since they beat us. The loss when it happened was baffling and it is even more baffling now seeing what New Mexico has done how they've responded just yeah. bizarre so I, I think we can basically write off the Lobos and say we, we can't expect much from, from them uh the rest of the way that's not the case for Utah State Utah State hopefully hopefully they can keep it going they're at a 40 in the net right now so I think if you're a Mountain West basketball fan who's not from New Mexico you're rooting for Utah State in that game Utah State needs to be one of the teams for the Mountain West this year yep so some fun games Saturday for sure. We get to watch some Mountain West basketball because Nevada is not playing. Nevada will be playing Tuesday night in Vegas against the Rebs. We're going to go road tripping with Chad, see where we need to go. All right, Chad, we were off last week. We got to spend last week on the couch, but we're back road tripping this week. Uh, no game Saturday, but coming down to my neck of the woods on Tuesday down here to Vegas. Uh, so for the folks making the drive or maybe jumping on the flight, 
no shortage of options down here. I guess we'll start with food. What are some recommendations you got for folks? You're, you're right. There is no sh- shortage of uh, places to eat down there in Las Vegas, and and especially you know in the in the you know I guess probably what the last ten years or so the way uh, Vegas has evolved as a kind of a culinary destination for all the foodies and and some of the high end mm-hmm. you know chef restaurants that exist down there, uh, especially you know up and down the Strip. Uh, that's not really my thing to do, uh, but I do got some places down there, and and it starts with uh, Tacos El Gordo. Uh, for for anybody who is uh, has heard of that. They know exactly what I'm talking about. But Tacos El Gordo is a um, is a taco joint that uh, started in uh, Tijuana, uh, Mexico, and it's kind of it's kind of moved into the U.S. Uh, I know there's a location or two in San Diego, and I think there's three in Vegas right now. Uh, the two that I'm familiar with, uh, there's one on East Charleston, and there's another one on the Strip near the Stratosphere. And and it, you got to understand about this place that if you don't get there early, you're going to be waiting in line. <laughs> uh, the, the thing will go out the door, especially the strip location, uh, near the stratosphere that, that thing gets backed up in a hurry. Uh, cause the word is out on this joint. Um, when we were down there for football in November, I went there for lunch on a Saturday and I got there at 1130 and the line was two hours long. Oh my God. Uh, the, way, the way that place works. Uh, so if you're trying to avoid the line and you got transportation or you're, you're taking an Uber or Lyft, uh, check out the one on East Charleston and, and that one can kind of get you in and out. Uh, a little bit quicker, but these are, these are, uh, these are Mexican street tacos and, uh, you have a variety of different meats, uh, to choose from. Um, I recommend the Atabata tacos and, and they shave the pig. Like they have the pig hanging in the kitchen and they shave, they shave the meat, uh, oh off fresh right there in front of you. So, uh, that's the kind of experience you're going, you're going to get when you go to Tacos del Gordo and you're not going to go wrong. It's, it's just unbelievable and it's, and it's my, you know, must have every time I go to Vegas. This is great because we were just talking about, talking about before we push the record button here. Like I, I live in Vegas. The strip is this foreign place that we don't ever go to. And this is going to like be, be recommendations for me now when I do go down there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like you, you should go to Tacos El Gordo and, and the, the way to do that, like just, just so you know, like you're going to have different, you're going to have different lines when you go in there. And like, you know, one line will be for, you know, meet A, B, and C, and then another line will be for, you know, meet C, D, you know, D, E, and F. And so the best thing to do there is go there with another person, decide what you want, and, like, you and your buddy or your girlfriend or, or whoever just, like, split up. Like, like what <laughs> on one line, what do you go on the other, and, and get a number of things, and, you know, meet at the checkout uh, uh, counter there and, and go from there. The purpose of this slant is solely for this. I love this. This is insider <laughs> stuff. This is great. Um, so that's, like, north end of the strip. Thomas and Mac is – southeast of the strip i mean do you have anything south strip recommendations you maybe have yeah i'm a big fan of uh, naked city pizza uh naked city pizza has a couple of locations in las vegas and and the one i'm i'm i normally get to uh is right there by thomas and mac it's kind of in between the hard rock hotel and thomas and mac uh right there on uh i forget the street but i think it's a, a swenson uh going, going down towards the airport right there uh naked city pizza is buffalo style pizza so it's like sheet style uh, you can't go wrong there. I mean, you usually can't go wrong with pizza, but you especially can't go wrong with Naked City Pizza, and, and that's my favorite joint down there uh, near Thomas and Mac. All right. And there are about 5 billion places we can get my favorite Coors Light here here in Vegas. <laughs> there aren't so many breweries, though. What do you have recommend, recommended for people who do want to grab a beer? You know, there's there's a couple places. Uh, first, Tanea Creek, which has a uh, – they, they have a nice tap room uh, in north Las Vegas. Um and, and they usually have guest taps there as well, so there's plenty of options. Um, 
uh, at Tenay Creek Brewing. But I would also recommend going downtown, down to Fremont Street. Um, and I know you're a fan of Fremont Street mm-hmm. in that area. Uh, Banger Brewing uh, on Fremont Street uh, does a super good job. And, and they have a, they have a wide variety of, uh, of craft beer. Um, a lot of times in the West Coast, you, you, you find, you'll find breweries that just do, you know, hoppy beer, IPAs and pale ales and that sort of thing. Uh, Banger Brewing kind of runs the whole, uh, spectrum of craft beer and they have a ton of different styles and, 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 and they do a really good job. Uh, in particular, uh, there's a, there's a, a German style of beer called a Kolsch, which is a light, you know, real crisp, uh, German ale and they make it and they make it with coffee. It's, it's a coffee. Oh, interesting. Kolsch. And it's and it's a super good beer and and it's really light. It's probably four and a half percent. And I highly recommend that beer and and that brewery overall does does some really good things. All right, and, yeah. I mean, if I, being here as a local, if we're gonna go do some fun, like that's usually where we go is, is Fremont, and it sounds like that's more up your alley as well. So if that would be your if you had to give a recommendation, like something to do in Vegas that isn't stereotypical strip. Yeah, I, I think Fremont Street, the way it's evolved, uh, really in the last, you know, I would, I, I don't even know that I'd put a time frame on it, but, but I mean, when, when I came of age and, and you know, and, and, and going to Las Vegas and having lived there for a couple of years back in my, my teenage years, um, like downtown wasn't, you know, a place that you typically win. It wasn't a place that, that was really touristy and, it, and it's kind of evolved, uh, that, you know, not, not unlike the way, uh, Midtown's evolved in Reno, uh, yeah. as kind of a, uh, a place with a lot of cool restaurants and different kinds of bars and just, you know, things to see and do and shop. And, and, uh, yeah, downtown, downtown Vegas and the Fremont street, uh, area has, has really come along, um, you know, in recent years. Have you been to the, the top golf down here? Uh, I've not been to the one in Vegas. I've been to top golf before and, and I know the one in Vegas is super popular and, and that's kind of a cool concept, especially, you know, um, you know, if, if you've never done it, it's mm-hmm. kind of one of those things that everybody should do once. It, it, it's fun. And especially it's a lot of fun with a group of people. Yeah. I mean, the top golf here, you, you got to check it out at least. It's four stories tall. They have like two pools with swim bars. They have TVs that are, I don't even know, they're high def, but I, I, I swear they're 30 feet wide. It, it's just absolute chaos in there. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine. <laughs> All right. Any, anything else you got for people coming down to Vegas? No, I mean, uh, I would say, uh, you know, if you're going down next week for the game, um, you know, per, we hope to see you back there in March for the Mountain West tournament. I mean, that's mm-hmm. going to be a, that's a wild week down there. And, and if you're a hoops junkie at all, that, that's almost a better trip. Almost, I say is, it's yeah. almost a better trip than going to the NCAA tournament just because you go down there that week and you, and you have the West Coast, you know, conference championship. You have the Mountain West championships. You have the Pac 12 championships. You have the, the WAC championships. I mean, there, there's just wall to wall basketball down there that week, uh, in March. And, and if you're a hoops junkie, that's the way to do it. it it's just, it's just a, such a great week down there, uh, for, for anybody who's a hoops fan. And, and we hope to see you down there at Thomas and Mac for the Mountain West tournament as well. Oh, I, I would assume Reno will be well represented for the, for the Mountain West tournament. It, it is an awesome week to be down here and be a good week to go to Top Golf. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I, I, I don't have to hit you up when I'm down there and, and we'll go head to head down there. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. We'll make it happen. All right, Chad. Appreciate you. Thanks. Appreciate it, man. All right. Let's jump into some Twitter questions. You guys were awesome this week. We got a ton. So we got to kind of fly through these. Not fly through them, but we got to work through these. Um, oh, you gotta, you gotta add Twitter slash Instagram questions. I know. It's, it, we gotta, we do need to change the name of this. The, the social slant or, or something. I don't know. Social media slant. I don't, so I like social slant. It's kind of, it's a little smoother. Yes. Social media, SMS. It's like an old, old school text message. Cause we got, 
We got Twitter questions, Instagram questions, and email questions. You guys are awesome. So first question, we'll start with Twitter questions here from Blake. Best radio and TV guy in sports, current and past? That's a question, obviously, because we had Rads on the show this week. Again, super awesome to have Rads. A lot of fun catching up with him. Did you have any guys that you wrote down for this or guys you were thinking of? My past, I'll start with, and I'll dish it off to you. But my past, just being a Mariners guy, Dave Niehaus. Mm -hmm. Mariners play-by-play. And then also, I think we can all agree, Stuart Scott. He wasn't really a play-by-play guy, though. He was more of a in-studio. Yeah, I, I, I had, I, I had, I have him more in the TV guy part TV of that. Guy. Okay. Yeah, best radio guy and TV guy. I got Stuart Scott more of the TV. I also went full Homer on this. Dave Niehaus, my oh my. Break out the rye bread, grandma's grand salami time, the absolute man. A, a lot of memories as a kid growing up listening to Dave Niehaus. Also, it was Steve Rabel, play-by-play voice of the Seahawks. I got to meet him my senior year in college for an internship and was like absolutely starstruck. So a lot, just a lot of memories listening to those two growing up. And then currently, how can you not, I mean, there's some recency bias here, but Tony Romo, everyone's talked about it. He truly was so fun to listen to during the AFC title game. One, he was nails. He was calling stuff all over the place. But he is genuinely so excited watching the game. He loves what he, he's so excited mm-hmm. about what he's doing. It's just infectious. It's more fun to listen to him, I think. So yeah. t- Tony Romo certainly, you, you can't talk about current broadcasters without talking about Gus Johnson. You can talk about people who call games with some passion. Yeah. Gus, Gus Johnson. And the other two, I think there's too much people getting, trying to make fun of broadcasters. People don't realize how hard that job is. Calling a mm-hmm. game play by play in real time. You're looking at your notes. You got to stay on top of it. You got to provide anecdotes. You got to work in your color guy. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what those guys do. So people like Joe Buck get ripped on all the time. But when I hear Joe Buck or I hear Jim or I hear Jim Nance, I know it's a big game. I know it's a big deal. So yeah. I, I, I would lump those two in there as well. Uh, Dirk asks, <laughs> for those who see my videos that I post on Twitter and now Instagram, I always post it in the car and I post it. Usually when I'm at lunch or on my way to lunch, going back from lunch, I'm wearing my work shirt. And Dirk asks, why don't you wear an undershirt? V-neck white tee covers your <laughs> your chest hair and also provides warmth in the winter, weirdo. Roasted. So I'm the weirdo because you're looking at my chest hair. <laughs> no, I I've, I used to wear under t-shirt, t-shirts underneath. I just don't do it anymore. I don't have a ton of chest hair. It's not a huge Deal for me. I just, I just never have. You, you wear undershirts, don't you? I, I'm an undershirt guy. Yeah, it's, it's also significantly colder in Reno than it is in Vegas. Yeah, why well, is it to use my uncontrollable sweating? But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, our man JCF, basically the stereotypical dog in pants question. If a dog wore pants, would it basically would it cover up all four legs, or would it cover up just the the bottom two or the last two? Where do you stand on this pivotal, pivotal, important argument? Covers up the bottom two. Everybody plays with their dog. Everybody pulls up the the front two legs. Mm -hmm. Then it looks like a human. It's wearing a normal pair of pants. If you were to get on all fours, you would not suddenly put pants on your front arms. Therefore, the dog only wears pants on the hind legs. If a dog were to wear pants on all four legs, his... uh, Second, his number two is still exposed. Yeah. So that's not, that's not pants. I'm going the bottom, bottom two. 
And if it were to cover all four legs, that's a huge belt. That's unrealistic. I was going to say that's a huge waistline. What type of custom pants are we talking? Yeah, that's too much. So we're, we're in agreement here. Bottom two. Ryan at Law of the Jungle NV. Make sure you check out lawofthejunglenv.com. Check out our page on there. Everything you know about the podcast. There's a plug for you, Ryan. What's the, what's the status of the baseball team this year? Will they make the tournament this season? I have done very little research into the baseball team this year. I know that TJ Bruce has been awesome recruiting. There's a lot of stability. And I do know there's a lot of confidence within the program this year. From what it seems like, the Mountain West is going to be pretty wide open this year. And the Mountain West tournament is going to be in Reno. And that helps as well. So I think there's a lot of reason for optimism coming in this season, especially the trajectory that TJ Bruce has that thing going right now. I would be excited about it. Uh, about Nevada baseball, uh, for sure. Then Ryan followed up with, are you a baseball podcast now? Uh, we haven't talked a lot about this, but yeah, in the spring, we're going to be doing a lot of Nevada baseball stuff. We'll do a, a similar format. It turns out we'll break down the previous weekend. We'll preview the upcoming weekend, um, get some relevant guests on talking baseball. Um, got a few already lined up. We're really excited about. So we will be talking Nevada baseball in the spring. So appreciate you asking there, Ryan. Todd asked us a four parter. Four-parter. Here we go. What will Nevada's record be heading into the Mountain West Conference Tournament? They're going to play 31 games. You got a guess here? Basically, you can just ask how many how many more games you think they're going to lose. They're going to be 29-2. and two. They're going to drop one more. Yeah, they got at San Diego State, at Utah State, at UNLV on Tuesday. Suddenly, it looks tricky. Fresno in Reno is going to be tough. I, I think 29-2 and two also. I wouldn't be surprised if 28-3, and three, just how vulnerable this team has looked. But I will also go 29-2 and two heading into the Mountain West Tournament. What seed will they receive in the tournament? What do you got there? They will be a four seed. If they lose one more game, I mean 29-2, and two, then you win the Mountain West Tournament. That puts you at 32-2 and two as a regular season champ, as a conference champ. You basically would have been in the top 10 all year. We'd see how, depending on who, but the lot, who the losses to would determine how far they'd slide, they'd slide obviously. I think a four seed probably makes the most sense. Um, logically, unless they can run the table, then who knows, maybe they get up mm-hmm. to the two line, but a four seed, then it gets, gets hairy if, if they're going to be in San Jose or, or Anaheim or San yep. Jose and, uh, Salt Lake. Are the mm-hmm. first and second round games? Nevada plays Washington in March. Who are you polling for? Ugh. So this this one, Todd, I think you'll like because I'm saying Nevada. I mean, you know this just as well as I do. I mean, we like UW basketball, but when we were at, back at home and still to this day, I, I still find more affiliation with Gonzaga basketball. UW's more like the football connection. So I'm saying that I'm saying Nevada. I would be extremely torn. That would that would be torture. I, I truly don't know how I would feel about it. It'd be one of those things we'd start watching the game and I would know how I'm feeling once the game starts. Because I truly don't know. I, I truly don't. That's, that's a really good question. And honestly, I hope it doesn't happen. Because that would suck. I have seen a couple of brackets where they <laughs> yeah. are where they are playing in the first round. I'm like, no, 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 no. We we don't need that. <laughs> stop 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 that. Stop that now. We, we don't. There's people who talk about they like it when their teams play each other. I'm like, what are you talking about? No, 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 that's, that's not great. And then Todd also asked, I answered this one on Twitter. Uh, next Tuesday should be a lively environment at Thomas and Mac. Nathan, are you going for the brand of the Reno slant? You'll need to be there. I am absolutely going to the game. I still need to get tickets as I, as I alluded to already, 
Make sure you're following us on Instagram because I want, that's going to be some fun stuff in terms of stories and stuff that we can do at games. My only hope is that I have service. Having T-Mobile, you never know what it's going to be. Um, but make sure you're following us on Instagram. We post some stories and maybe even some analysis in there, show you guys what it's like inside Thomas and Mac. Fake Matt Mummy, where does the wolf pack chant rank in top chants in the Mountain West? My knowledge of chants used in home arenas in the Mountain West is minimal. And so I'm going to go with number one. My knowledge is also, I said, I'm also right about with you with the chants. But what I will say is it depends on the execution. When it's done properly, it's a great chant. You know, everybody gets going super loud. But when it's executed poorly, it sounds awful. And I just want it to end it. So it depends on the execution by the crowd. You can say that for any chant, though. That's not just the Wolfpack chant one. All right, here. And then on Instagram. Okay. On Instagram, Brandon asks, what is your prediction for Nevada basketball in March this year? And that is a good one. The way Nevada is playing right now, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't feel very good about any of their matchups. I, I would be, I'd be nervous about that first round matchup. Now, if they can start playing the way that we think they can, then hell, I mean, there's no reason to think they can't advance to at least the second weekend. So it's a huge variable based on, how this team is playing. Hopefully, by the time March rolls around, they can they start kicking into gear and uh, can start looking a little better offensively, especially. So, as of now, I'll go somewhere in the middle. I'll say Sweet 16. Right now. Right now, I'll say Sweet 16. Ask me again in a month, and hopefully I'll be able to say Final Four, Elite Eight, whatever. Uh, Jesse, my buddy, in the video, I guess my nose is red. I didn't notice. How did you get that sunburn on your nose? To my knowledge, it's not a sunburn. I don't know. Bro, you're looking at me. Does my nose look red? No? I thought it looks normal, but maybe the shelves just have bad eyes. No, nah, I think Jesse's just an idiot. We'll, we'll go with that one. <laughs> uh, Marcus, <laughs> if your team is down at halftime, what coach from a movie would you want to come in and fire up your team in the locker room? This is a good one. Hmm. Denzel Washington from Remember the Titans. Yeah, there, there were some good ones here. I went first. This is a movie, but it was it is also a true story. Herb Brooks, Miracle, coach of the 1980 U.S. hockey team. The speech that he gives before the game against Russia, great oh, yeah. moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here today. Like that, That's an awesome one. Also went with – I didn't go with Denzel. I went with Coach Yost from Remember the Titans. When, when they're doing, when he, when he gives that talk, I forget who they're playing. He's like, we blitz all night. I don't want them to gain it. I don't want yard. them to gain <laughs> that, that one. I want, them to re- I want them to remember the night yeah, that right. they played the Titans forever. Yeah. So that, that's a good one. Coach Carter can't go wrong there. Yep. And then Coach I, was I went list. away from sports for this one. President Whitmore in Independence Day, he gives a speech there before they go off to go fight the, the aliens. Where it's kind of like, today's the day we celebrate our, I mean, whatever, you gotta do. That's a speech that fires me up every, every time also. So mm-hmm. there, there are some good ones. Bradley, thoughts on Hall of Fame inductees? And is this Nevada team really 18, is this Nevada team really 18 and 1 good or are they just benefiting from playing a week's schedule? So thoughts on Hall of Fame inductees? Hell yes, Edgar. 
Long overdue. Shit happened a while ago. Too many people whining, eh, he's only in DH. He was the best one to ever do it, and he owned Mariano Rivera. He owned Mariano Rivera, and Mariano Rivera, by the way, also got in his class and was the first unanimous Hall of Fame inductee ever. Would have liked, would have liked Ken Griffey to get that. It was close. Mariano gets it. Whatever. Edgar was the man. He had the biggest hit in Mariners franchise history. He basically saved Seattle from moving. He belongs in the hall. There's my Edgar rant. And then the other two were Mike Messina and Roy Halladay. I think it's a pretty strong class, actually. Um, yeah. What, and, what do you think about Bond? What do you think about Bonds missing out? Was this, his, was this his last year or does he no, have another? He has, he has three more. Oh, he's still got some more years. Okay. He has three more. And then yes, this Nevada team is really 18 and one good. They haven't looked good. They do deserve to have the record that they have. You could certainly argue they should be 19 and 0. They're 18 and 1 and they haven't even played to the best of their abilities. They bet the schedule has helped, certainly. If they're, if they're playing Kansas and Duke and Kentucky, they're not 18 and 1. The fact that they've played some of these teams has certainly helped, but th- this team is legit. It, it's for real. In, uh, email from Andrew. From those of us who aren't in the business, what exactly goes into recording an episode, paring it down, adding music and ad breaks, and then sending it out into the world? A lot. A lot more than you would think in terms of planning, in terms of preparation. We don't do a ton of editing because we want this thing to come off real and authentic. We don't want it to sound too polished and fake. So um, there's there's a, a lot that goes into it. A lot that I, I certainly don't want to explain over a podcast, but it, it's it's a ton. Andrew also asks via email, I saw that Dixie State will be moving up to the WAC from Division Two next summer. How many guesses would you have needed to figure out where they are, and who else is still in the whack? I don't think many Nevada fans isn't realize Dixie, isn't, not done yet. I didn't know. I don't think many Nevada fans realize just how lucky we are to get out of there when we did. So, do you know where Dixie State is? Isn't that in St. George, Utah? I don't know if it's in St. George, but I know it's in Utah. I I did know that. Uh, the only reason I knew that. Second shout out, is it two weeks in a row? Two and three weeks? Shout out to Central Washington. I remember they played Dixie State in the playoffs one year, and for some reason I knew that they were playing Dixie State and they were, they were from Utah. So I the only reason one. I would, yeah, say so the only reason I would know is because I know Aaron's played them. Yep, they're Dixie State. Address 225 South University Avenue, St. George, Utah. All right, St. George. That's not too far from Vegas. And mm-hmm. then how many teams from the WAC can you name right now? Me? Yeah. All right, we got Weber State, uh, Pacific. Oh, here we go on Pacific, uh, Santa Clara, um, St. Mary's, Pepperdine. Uh, whack. Isn't, I don't know, Montana's Big Sky, Weber State, um, uh, okay, I'm, I'll just stop there. Not a single team you just named is in the whack. <laughs> no, what are they in? You, I think you have some Big West in there. You have some West Coast Conference in there. West you, Coast Conference. Oh my God, I'm an idiot. Yes, you are. Wow. Okay. Big dumb <laughs> dumb move on my part right there. Whack and West Coast Conference. Different th- different things. Yeah. So, so that I did know Seattle U. We played them once in college. So I, I, or twice, I think. So I did know that they were a whack and I also knew New Mexico State. Those are the only two pots in my head. And then I, then obviously Grand Canyon is in there. I thought UTEP was in the whack. That's not the case. Interesting stat. So you obviously have no idea who's leading the whack right now. 
kind of crazy. The team that's in first place in the WAC right now is Cal State Baptist. Yeah. No, Cal, actually, Cal, State, Cal State Bakersfield. I'm glad I have no idea who's in the WAC because that sounds like a horrible conference to root for. Cal State Bakersfield. Cal Baptist this year, 10 and 7, 2 and 2 in conference. All right, random Reno. What did you get? Gourmet grilled cheese truck has been recognized for serving up the best grilled cheese in the nation. Yum. Where's that? Gourmet. Gourmet, uh, I believe it's right by near campus. I think they oh, started. Yeah, at, I've been there. Yeah, the place is bomb. Yeah, these, I think they started as a food truck. If I'm, if I heard down the grapevine correctly, and now they got the, the spot next to campus, but it's it's really good. Yeah, the place so, is bomb. Yep, so keep up the good work, Gourmet. Uh, Dick Taylor Memorial Park. You know where that is? Oh my God! If you told, I mean, I've seen. Oh yeah, it's right by where we used to live. It's right over off Valley Road. It's right by the pumpkin off of Denslow. For those yeah, of you baby. Who, who know Denslow, driving on Denslow, that orange, is it still orange? It's still orange. It's, it's still day. orange. We got the pumpkin. We lived there for a couple years, uh, when I just moved to Reno. So the camp, the park is right by, right by there, right off the east side of campus. That park mm-hmm. used to be the location of an army base. Kind of crazy. That's, that's wild. Kind of crazy. Yeah. And that's our show this week. Kind of a wild show. Uh, thank you to all of you who continue to listen every single week and, and help us grow. Thank you to Carlos for the iTunes five-star review of the week. Thank you to Ryan Radke, Rads, the GOAT, the Joe Buccarino for coming on. It was so great hearing from him. Thank you to Chad Hartley for taking us road tripping down here to Vegas. You can follow us on Twitter, at Shop Adam, at Shop Nathan, at the Reno Slant. You can now also follow us on Instagram. Make sure you hit us up over there. It's the same handle, at the Reno Slant. We were hoping to get 100 followers by the next show, but we we checked that box quickly. We, we were surprised by the response we got from you guys. Really grateful for it. So our goal is to get to 150 by the next show. So if you're on Instagram, hop on over to the Reno Slant. Check on what, what's going on over there. Some uh, unique content for that platform, certainly. No Nevada game on Saturday. Nevada's back at it on Tuesday at UNLV. Tip is at 8 p.m. on ESPN2 down here in Vegas. I'm going to be there. Excited to see this team in person for the second time this year. Have a great, great weekend, you guys. Go Pack. Thanks for listening to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans. Until next time, and we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.